1: Up, Welcome to episode number 311 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fass, joined as always by Mr. Amber is the color of his
2: energy, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? man? I've never heard that phrase before.
1: Well, that's it's podcast 311, baby. I'm just quoting the song Amber oh, by see, 311.
2: You know, I actually thought of that. I put in the thing for StreamYard. It said OTC 311. I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe Fast is going to mention this and then I completely forgot about it. Uh, How can you forget uh, about three eleven? I've never actually given them an honest lesson.
1: Oh really? You yeah. didn't grow up in the early two thousands? How is that possible?
2: How dare you judge my childhood? <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, today we changed a lot and then some. We know that we've always been down, down with the pitching rankings, and we're going to be even more down with the pitching rankings today as we are breaking down number 71 through 80. We're back, baby. We talked tout. We talked labor. (laughs) And now we're back doing what is our bread and butter, despite the fact that, yeah, there's no baseball, you dangus. But we're still going to talk about all the pitchers that we love that make us love baseball, right? Right. And we're, we're actually going to jump right in. We're going to kick it off because I remember when we first started these, Nick was like, these are going to be about 45 minutes each. And I was like, ah! uh, and they never are. But that's OK. We're going to try and get to that. Oh, one last thing before we begin. You know what is my favorite compliment that we ever receive? Nick, what's that? that people don't listen to us on two times speed or one and a half speed. oh yeah i that, saw
2: that conversation i thought that was hilarious i it, it, that's how my, good we are we are the most dense information podcast
1: well and, and your dense information and you i mean you know me i'm the reason i want to talk 45 minutes isn't because i don't love you and want to spend time with you it's because i like quick hits
2: to yes. bam
1: to yeah. the point get there your information sent in. me Efficiency, you know, baby.
2: Efficiency. I will say this, uh, you know, because the last one wasn't. We might have to go a little bit long on this one twice. Yeah, yeah you missed it. You a missed second it. time. Uh, you double dingus.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. You really only fanned I mean, on that one. Is, yeah, that's yeah, a game. Sure. You you swung and missed, and you only fanned on that one. Um, there, oh yeah, or, yeah, you or, missed on that too. My God, uh, well, I can't talk about only fanned
2: reviewing your draft. I don't want I to say that any of
1: your. Well, I don't want to say any of your pitchers are bad. I
2: only fanned on you know, like I missed getting one guy or something.
1: Oh, yeah. Maybe you, you see, only you fanned on Eric Vast. Maybe you only fanned on Eric Lauer, who we'll be talking about today. I don't know what we'll, we'll get is. to him, but we're not we're not talking about him first. We're actually going to jump in with a, a hot young arm um, that you would see on an OnlyFans account. And that's Joe Ryan right now. There's a lot of people very excited about Joe Ryan. He's probably got a nice starting job inside of the Minnesota rotation because there's not a lot of depth there. Extremely minute sample size last year with 26 and two thirds innings pitched, but a 12% swinging strike rate, a fantastic 30% K rate. However, he brings you the 405 ERA with the 343 FIP, a 0.79 whip. That's a lot of stats. The TLDR is small innings, great swing and miss, not great ERA. What are you thinking over a full season for Joe Ryan?
2: Um, First of all, if you go to his player page, you'll see this amazing headshot of him. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's seriously something else that you should note and go to um, our pitchless player pages and check it out. Uh, Joe Ryan, it sounds like his four-seamer that comes in at 91 miles per hour benefits a ton from VAA, a vertical approach angle, because it was really successful last year. Um, 11% swing strike rate, 30% CSW, 75% strike rate on it. I will say hard contact uh, was 27%, actually higher than I thought it would be given how much praise we've given this fastball. And, uh, you know, he pairs that with a slider. I don't think it's that well commanded. Um, mm-hmm. Had good results last year, but five game sample, 27 innings. I, I, I'm waiting to, to find out more about Joe Ryan. And I've noticed that Joe Ryan's gone higher than where I've relatively ranked him. And my hesitation comes from the fact that we only, only seen five games. Four of them were against the Cubs and the Guardians. And he got through those. I mean, one of them was this amazing 11 strikeout game against the Cubs that has bolstered everything else. Keep in mind, he was under a strikeout in inning uh, in the previous three games, right? He went seven innings and four strikeouts and just a lot of fortunate balls in play against the Guardians there. Then, of course, he strikes out 11 against the, uh, the Cubs. But I remember saying before this next, this last start that Joe Ryan was going against the Tigers and I was feeling like he wasn't this command expert. You know, He didn't really have this amazing stuff that maybe the Tigers, who were actually a decent offense last year, could take advantage of that fastball. And they did. They knocked him around for 6 600 runs in 4.2 innings. I think the verdict is still out on Joe Ryan. I'm curious about it. I would feel okay starting him out of the gate. But it's no lock that Joe Ryan is all of a sudden going to be this absolutely overwhelming and beneficial 12-team starter. Uh, I could see it happening. The minor league track record certainly suggests that he is of quality. But you have a 91-mile-per-hour fastball that wasn't ex- you know, exceedingly good at limiting hard contact. And you have a slider that I don't think is that well-commanded. And I don't know if I totally buy this. There isn't really much else to talk about here. There's a changeup that he kind of touched and a curveball that he couldn't throw for a strike enough. And that's it. So, yeah, I'm curious what we'll get. Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of placed perfectly in the 70s because there is
1: there is something that points to legitimate upside with that four seamer. Right. And it's funny because he is a really good poster child for uh, a statistical context. Right. Because there's a lot of things that you can look at to see um what would give a fastball success is it velocity right is it um particular spin efficiency right is it uh, i don't know command and like there isn't anything that joe ryan he's got very poor velocity relative to the field he doesn't have good efficiency i don't believe um actually let me double check that i don't think he's got good especially. i know he has really poor spin uh he does not have elite he's got okay spin efficiency um so but there's a really good quote uh from the guys over at Fangraphs um Eric, uh, it's Eric Longenhagen I believe wrote this of one in particular about Ryan who said cuz he has a 70 grade in that fastball so my point is how does that make sense with all the things that i just said and he says quote Understanding that success requires an examination of Ryan's approach angle, he creates backspin that seems impossible based on his release point thanks to a seemingly incongruously high arm slot and very short levers, which gave him the look of a starter. You already hit on it a little bit in terms of the deceptiveness of that four-seamer. But if that's there, and that should theoretically be consistent, one, I imagine he could suffer third time through the order uh, penalty a lot. I think, you know, Sarah's made this point a little while ago about him where it's like, As there becomes more film on him, it could be something where hitters are like, yeah, I struggled maybe the first time I saw him. But like as the Tigers see him a bunch, as the Royals see him a bunch, it could be something where they're like, yeah, I just picked up on it either the second time through the order in the first start or as I saw him more throughout the season pretty early on. So I agree with the assessment that also if he's going to take a step forward. Uh, the slider and the curveball do need to take a step forward with it, yes, but definitely. You're, you're you're banking on a lot. But with that said, he, Nick, he kind of fits into your perfect kind of dude then where if the early season is an easy schedule and guys haven't picked up on
2: him yet, ride the wave. Make him a, oh, make I'm, him a pick. I'm so in on that. But the thing yeah. is, from what I've seen every draft, I've never had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah. In um in October, the first pitcherless mock draft, I think Joe Ryan got picked like in the 17th or 18th round or something, and I was upset. I was like, "No, you're supposed to be able to get Joe Ryan in like the 22nd." Way late, yeah. And it never it never happened. You know, this whole draft season, Joe Ryan has been pushed into like the the 200, like right underneath it or so, like Tanner Haug, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I've seen him go like around John Means or something. I'm like, what? No, I I, I want John Means. So it's it's different. It's uh, unfortunate that I likely won't get a lot of Joe Ryan, but if I I'm, I won't be upset having him in any world. That's why I have him above the other late-round guys I get, but the thing is the other late-round guys are actually there when I need to make that pick.
1: Yeah, pretty soon we're going to be able to break up this list into who you like more than Steven Strasburg and who you like less than that's
2: Steven Strasburg. That's kind of right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's seriously an important way of putting this. Yeah. is Like, Steven Strasburg is a perfect example of that you know who you should take for the risk and you know you don't need anything else but if you need something then you go above him and so on
1: yeah i'm with you on that uh, i think just to put a bow on it it's very much like you said like don't let the helium uh, impact you. Like if people want to take that risk at 200, then fine, let him. We don't think it's going to pan out. But if you're in a room where he does fall to the last pick, the last two or three rounds, take a shot, because you can always drop him if it doesn't end up working out. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is uh, Eric Lauer, a guy that I think you maybe fell in love with a little bit more than you had realized, if I call, uh, recall correctly.
2: Oh, absolutely. fastball uh, velocity went up a tick for Eric mm-hmm. Lauer. Cutter velocity went up three ticks, and he does a really good job of limiting hard contact. Hard contact on the four-seamers, 22%, which is really, really good. It's normally above 30% on four-seamers. and This is a pitch he throws 45% of the time. Uh, CSW was 30% on it. Gets a ton of strikes with it. It's all very good there. And then the cutter, same idea. Uh, above average hard contact allowed. 25% CSW. It was like, wait, what? I don't really like that, Nick. Well, he gets a ton of strikes with it and doesn't get beat on it and that's really, really important, and then pairs it with a slider that does a decent job against strikes and has a 30% CSW. I mean, it's all kind of there uh, for things to work out well for Eric Lauer, and he uses that four-seamer, I gotta say. Uh, you're thinking, Nick, wait, you didn't really talk about that slider as a strikeout pitch. Yeah, 11% swing strike rate, not not really a thing. 11 to 12% on the cutter, not really either. Change up is, his, <laughs> I'm not gonna bring up that change, but it's a so 50 percent strike rate and not very good, but the four-seamer. Over 40% thrown. It went from 8.5% swing strike rate in 2020 to Eric Lauer's four-seamer going to 14% swing strike rate in 2021. That's awesome. That's a that's a really undervalued uh, four-seamer, I think, in the majors right now, especially considering that hard contact I quoted before with it. I think the Brewers are just going to let him fly this year as their number four. I like this situation. NL Central is a really good division to pitch in. Eric Lauer can go... The entire year, I don't see why. not. I threw 119 innings last year. Uh, everything should be good to go for Eric Lauer, and I won't be starting him out of the gate. Uh, I imagine he's going to be playing a lot of divisional rivals. They generally do early in the season. I mean, if it's May 1st, then it's May 1st, and we'll take it from there. But Eric Lauer is someone I'm drafting with the intent of starting right away, and hey, if I don't really like that, it's okay. You get him in the 22nd round. It's no mm-hmm. problem at all.
1: Yeah, I think just to, to push back a little, he, he now he's slotted as the five. He's Hauser's Who's the four, and what Hauser? Nah. Yeah, I mean according uh, to I think who? It's, I think it's actually been that way on roster resource for for a while. I don't think there's oh, been man. any change there. Um, Hauser's the so, one that's got to hold his job
2: instead of Ashby.
1: Honestly, I don't, I don't think uh, instead of Lauer because Ashby could theoretically
2: take either of those jobs, right? No, I'm, I'm saying the, like, I'm saying like Lauer is gonna be fine. Hauser's the mm-hmm. one that should be worried of Ashby. Stepping okay. forward. Yeah, but
1: I i do think then that still is my concern that it's like I, I agree with the assessment that he could be a really fun guy like Joe Ryan, where it's like you take him late, you get him in the first uh couple starts or so. Um, I kind of agree with the assessment that we see from the projections that like 125, 130 may be the cap. Um, if we start to see more Ashby, if we start to see other prospects get called up. Um, but I do think that there is some nice repertoire there. It is kind of bizarre to see a guy with two four seamers, swing or no, excuse me, two fastballs with swinging strike rates over 10%, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of nice to see. Um, maybe there could also be a, a step forward with that slider there too uh, in terms of usage, right? Like why
2: not just be cutter four-seam slider. What, what do you need the curveball there uh, at all for? Oh, yeah, the curveball, um, I mean, is a 5% usage and is a surprise called strike pitch. It's a show me. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And, I mean, th- you should be assessing a lot of curveballs. I'm sure you do. I'm just saying in general, everyone listening, when you see a curveball in a repertoire and it's not like 20 25%, the only intention for that pitch really is just to steal a strike early in a count. And you'll see in the approach of it, 67% of the time he throws a curveball, it's early in the count. Sometimes he tries to surprise it as a two-strike offering, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, Eric Lauer's curveball is just trying to steal a strike over the plate. And yeah, 27% called strike rate shouldn't shock you.
1: That's interesting. So I wonder... I actually have his curveball at fifteen percent usage. Oh, I wonder if
2: there's yeah. a if there's
1: a slider curveball differentiation going on there, which uh, it could very well be the case because um, we don't because they have the curveballs is his third most thrown pitch according to Fangraphs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of weird. Well, Maybe yeah, we have weird. we have
2: Statcast. Pre correction data, pre correction
1: <laughs> okay, because this is the stack cast says
2: curveball at 15, but either way, okay. it's probably it's just a, a curveball slider. Yeah, we have slider curveballs mix. at 78 79 and sliders at 81 82, so I'm sure there's blending involved there. Um, but whatever it is, you want to just say there's a breaker being thrown about 19 percent of the time. Um, it's mainly for uh called strikes, and <clears> looks like it's pretty similar usage split between early and two strike and, and rarely behind, mm. uh, for both of those. Uh, so it's the same idea, I guess. Um, I wouldn't really expect too much growth in it. Um, and it's really just, the, you know, the question is, is Eric Lauer's four-seamer going to stay at a 14% swing strike rate or not? The yeah. increased velocity certainly helped with that. Um, and we'll see if, uh, yeah, we'll just see if that sticks around. Uh, you would think that the increased swing strike rate would mean more high location, right? Mm. But not, nope, didn't happen. He actually dropped it down. Uh, five ticks and had a twenty-six uh, percent a low lock and a sub-fifty percent high lock. If you don't know so high, high, lock location low lock, and, yeah. high location and high location, I'm trying to normalize it. It doesn't. It's, we don't normally talk about location like percentage-wise for some mm-hmm. reason, and I'm all for it. We have it inside of our pages, of course.
1: Now, before we go ahead and move on to the guy that I know Nick is, uh, we cannot have a podcast
2: unless he talks about him. <laughs> we're
1: actually we're gonna take a break. It's not going to be our typical ad no, break here. No. It's gonna be a little bit different this time.
2: Yeah, we are. Um, I-, I am sponsoring this podcast. Pitcherless is sponsoring <laughs> this podcast. I, uh, I mean, as you guys kind of heard on Tuesday, um, we need your help a lot. Uh, this stinks right now with no baseball, but. Not only that, I mean, revenue and traffic and everything is heavily depreciated about like 50% in February and March. Um, so we can really use your help. We uh, last time I put this out, I actually saw overnight, um, we had a lot more subs, which is incredible and such a great thing. And I don't want to shout you guys out, but we didn't give you any sort of um, reference point or so we didn't tell you want to We didn't want to do it without you wanting it. So uh, if you if you listen to this and you, you suffer PL+, just reach out to me via DM, and we'll give you a shout-out. The, like the old days of the Patreon fanfare, I'll play mm-hmm. the trumpets in the podcast and all that. We'll do a little thing. Um, but uh, but really, thank you all so much for your support. Uh, we're doing a, a special because of this with passcode, passcode? with coupon, uh, Sandy, as in Sandy Alcantara. Um, you Bye. guys uh, will get $15 off if you sign up for yearly with code SANDY. So definitely consider it. It's all because we want to make this site as amazing as we can. And none of it goes to me. It just all goes back to Petros. And I will say one last thing. We had a very kind uh, supporter uh, donate over PayPal today, uh, Andrew. So thank you really so much, Andrew. It's, it's all going to the staff, all going to the upkeep of this so that we not only are surviving through this lockout, but we are thriving when we come out. So really, mm-hmm. thank you all so much for the support
1: yes thank you uh let's return as i'm i'd like you to come original with uh your number 73 in steven strasburg
2: yeah um just get steven strasburg in the 2020 2020 round 20 oh my god 22nd that's the word or 23rd round i'm flustered today i yes yeah, it's probably because i'm uh it's probably because i'm subtly putting in 311 lyrics into every intro <laughs> that we do for a pitcher. oh no don't do that uh <laughs> Uh, is that what you've been doing? Is that right? <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's why, that's that's why, why it's did. so good. That's why it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> you should have you should have told me. You should have like, made it no, the end of it. Um, anyway, Steven Strasburg, if he's throwing 92, 91, whenever we get some summer camp or something, you'll know that, oh, okay, I'll just swap him out. But the thing is, it's the end of your draft, and you're probably going to swap it out anyway. But maybe Steven Strasburg's 93, 94. And he's throwing those curveballs over thirty percent of the time again. That means that you'll get a really good pitcher for the cost of nothing. Mm-hmm. Just take Steven Strasburg, all You won't regret it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like um, we 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 spend so much time breaking down the individual analytics on a particular person, but this is just a pure like if he's there and he's there at the end where you're going to stream that position anyway. Why not? Yeah, like it's or, it's I, I the think why not pick? Yeah. Yeah. People forget, too, that 2019, I think it was, we saw a career-high curveball usage, and I, I know I was like, oh, my God, he, like, finally figured it out, and he was fantastic. Yeah.
2: So if he can get back to that, you know, Dude, it's you remember, very, very nice. Do you remember a year ago when I was doing those mock drafts, and it was, I um, mean, um, it was like the Chris Sale pick and the Syndergaard pick and the Severino pick, and the mm-hmm. there's one other I can't remember, but I, it was, like, on my bingo chart it was like, this is at the point of the draft that you should be getting these guys, you know? Sure. It's the same exact thing with Strasburg, except that there are more quality guys so that it pushed down that point later in the draft to like the 22nd round or so. Um, like Adam Wainwright is worth your time, you know? Um, stuff like that. So, yeah, just just go and do it at the point like, oh man, there isn't a pitcher that is definitely going to help me. That's when you get Steven Strasburg. Yeah, he just also it makes you feel like you're young
1: again. Um, let's move on to Noah Syndergaard. You know, whenever I'm alone, I just feel like I'm young again with him. You know, Noah Syndergaard, yes. number 74. Um, I, we've discussed him a little bit in the past. I mean, my thoughts being... It's a little bit scary when he while it's nice to see him return to the mound at the end of the year last year. It's a little bit scary when it, it, he can't throw arguably his best pitch. You seem to be cracking up over here. What what what's so funny about Noah Syndergaard?
2: Um, so, OK, so all of you know how our player pages work, y'all. Um. Mm-hmm. But essentially, if I if a pitcher hasn't qualified innings wise, I it will show blank for like all of their things because like we're not going to compare their. Hard hit percentage if it's outside the top 200 with anyone in the mm-hmm. top 200. He only threw two innings. Yep. Yeah. But he has a 62.5% hard contact rate, which, mm. of course, would be outside the top 200. So it's just a hyphen. I thought we had <laughs> messed up because, like, wait, why aren't we returning any data for Noah Syndergaard? No, we are. It's just so bad that he doesn't rank on anything. Um, with ground ball rate at seventeen percent, it is the, l- the lowest. Of but he was he was first, he led the league in walk rate at zero percent. Zero percent, right? He'd be number one. Um, that's good to but see. right, so so Noah Syndergaard, I uh, did not throw a curveball, did not throw a slider because apparently he's been instructed not to, as it mm-hmm. will hurt his arm. Look, Noah Syndergaard was not amazing actually, in before actually. Before he uh, he got hurt and all. Remember 121 whip in 2018, 124 in 2019, and also he had a 428 ERA in those 198 innings in 2019. It is not a guarantee that <laughs> Strasburg is a bonafide top 10 ace in any way, um, even when healthy at the, moment. at the moment. And it was a sub-25% strikeout rate as well in that time now he's coming back and he's not throwing his slider, which was the uh, absurdly incredible pitch that he had. And I don't want to buy into this in the slightest. I'm not interested at all out mm. that slider, without that curveball. He just has to throw fastballs, which I don't know if they're going to even be even close to the same velocity even. I mean, it was 94-95 uh, versus the 97-98. I understand there's no minor leagues. It was a rehab start. We'll take it easy. But, man, it's just... I'm not interested. So I have him here, which is the same point of Syndergaard. You can drop him if it's bad. But I believe in the the Straussburg ceiling more than the Syndergaard one. So I'm I'm going Straussburg over Syndergaard.
1: Uh, it's uh, also to, I think a, it's a one year deal. So he's pitching until that arm falls off for, for LA. You know what I mean? Like he, he's out, I think a, he's out to prove that he's worth a multi-year contract B the angels want to throw him. Um, so I, I think he's a really fun bet. He's very much just like a, a beautiful disaster. Um, 75 is Luis Patino. Uh, I think sometimes like we've heard Luis Patino's name for the past couple of years. <clears throat> because we remember him when he came up in San Diego, obviously a big pitching prospect. He, he goes over to Tampa. We get really excited. He doesn't really pan out last year. Luis Patino is 22 years old. Wow. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I did not realize that. He's t- exa- neither did I. He's 22, but I wonder, are we... We have a guy who is now going to have a full offseason again in a raised system coming into his age 22, 23 season. Uh, are we not giving them enough of the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to take a guy with a high pedigree and turn him into
2: something better than a low four ERA pitcher best ball leagues. He goes up, Mm. but I, I I'm worried about what April looks like and I won't be able to make as quick of a decision on Patino than I would on Syndergaard or on Strasburg. And that's, that's the reason you see Luis Patino where he is right now. Eno's a big fan. I understand why, uh, he certainly made me more intrigued um, than I thought I would be. Uh, 33% O swing on his four-seamer last year, and that was really the pitch for Patino, right? 13% swing strike rate on it as well, 70% strike rate. Did he get hit pretty hard? 32% hard contact rate is below average. And especially when this is your pitch, you would hope that that would be above average uh, for Patino's four-seamer. Slider is the pitch that I thought I was going to get more excited about. Um, it wasn't that great. Sub 60% strike rate, 16% swing strike rate, nothing too exceptional about it. It wasn't hit too hard, but it also wasn't, you know, around the plate enough. Um, And that's really it. And the the reason I said before that I like Patino in a best ball, and actually I like Patino for 2023, Mm. but I don't like him for this year in my redraft leagues because I don't know how much we're going to see with Patino out of the gate. I don't know how the Rays are going to use him. This idea of Patino being given every five days an honest chance to go five and six innings, I I don't know how much we're going to see that. And it's going to be frustrating. And then if we even do get it, is it going to be of quality or not? You know, it was a 431 ERA last year with a 127 whip and a 22% strikeout rate, right? It's not like the levels of others like Aaron Ashby or something where we're just like, no, this is going to be legit. Just give him the six innings and he's fine. There's still work to be done with Patino. I believe that it will over time. But for redraft leagues, I just don't really see the reason to chase this out of the gate.
1: Yeah, It's a good point. I mean, I think I personally would be a a, a little bit higher, but I think those are all very valid points to make about Patino for sure. Um, There's definitely some risk there. Um, And Man, this is like... I didn't even know this is kind of just like a risky tier in and of itself. Of well, because a lot of it's the seventies,
2: right? Because it's like taking chances or not. You know, I thought yeah. That it is. Yeah.
1: So the next guy is uh, another guy that we've kind of talked about a, a good amount. And uh, I was very upset that he performed as well as he did in the final start of his season. <laughs> cause I thought it was going to yeah, said that too so much so impact his draft stock. And, and uh, then he comes out, there's a report coming out saying he's you know hitting the 97, 98 again. Uh, but can he command it? Is always going to be my question. And that's Jesus Lazardo at number 76. it
2: would be nice if he got to 97 because in 2019, the very small amount that we saw him there in 12 innings, he was sitting 97 with a 12% swing strike rate. And then mm. that dropped to 9% swing strike rate in 2021. We were so 95, 96. But I mean, he sat a bad strike rate then. He has a bad strike rate now. The real thing with Jesus Lazardo is that the curveball is amazing. It really is a phenomenal pitch. 35% CSW uh, and 65% strike rate last year. Really upped how many strikes he got on that pitch. Throws about 29% of the time. And in that time with uh, the Marlins, he was throwing it more often. He even had starts above 40% usage on curveballs. And I love that. You know, if, if we're seeing a scenario where Luzardo is throwing 40% curveballs and then this change up that has its moments... And can be really good. We saw that in 2020 in that 59, an example of a 37, 38 percent CSW, really, really good. It fell down um, a decent amount in get as many called strikes, not as many whiffs, uh, in 2021. But just really a curveball changeup combination that is going about two thirds of the time, while then mixing in a four seamer about 30 percent of the time, and ignoring that sinker. That sinker is just bad, man. It's not. It's not good at all. It's never been good. Even a sub sixty percent strike rate on sinkers isn't right. Thirty nine percent hard contact allowed, terrible. Um, yeah, I think there is a path to Luzardo being dominant again, but it has to go through his secondaries first, and not his not his fastballs. So I don't know if we're going to see that. I mean, I'm not really thinking like that. Last start is everything from Luzardo, mm. obviously not. And I'm treating this as like what is his approach early in the season? If it matches what I just described, great. There might be something here that we can latch on to really, really quickly. You know, in some ways, I know this is going to sound crazy, but everyone's like, who is the Robbie Ray and stuff? Like, well, Luzardo kind of fits the bill in this way because we were hyped about him. And then we've kind of all collectively given up after a 661 ERA to 162 whip. Right. And then (laughs) if you want like someone rebounding in a way, there you go. That would be Luzardo. But I mean, I'm not going to draft it expecting it. I could draft in the last round given he's there. See how it is. If it's bad, you get rid of it, and if not, you move on. That's that's what the entire podcast is. You know, this is like the first week starters, right? Like just one week. Um, I don't know though. It's it's like like we're not that late. It's like rent a pitcher. Oh no, you you'd be surprised how much like all these guys are around, uh, in like the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think for Luzardo, I. I mean, yeah. I. I agree. If I heard that there was like a like a fundamentals change, like we heard with Ray, like if there was like, because I do think the arm circle thing that we heard about in 2020 did positively impact the changes that you know Robbie Ray made in 2021. Did it? I mean, he had it, and then got rid of it. And did he
2: end up getting 20, rid of it in 2021? Oh, yeah, he didn't have it in twenty one.
1: I wonder. Then I wonder. Was it
2: just a change in ideology, just going fastball slider? Yep. I mean, no. Okay. It was. It was not caring about nibbling anymore. Oh, OK. He was nibbling around. It was all all over the place. And he just kind of just chucked fastballs into the zone. And it was great. But maybe that's Jesus Osardo's problem is he can't chuck
1: fastballs into the zone. Right. He, <laughs> we wish he could actually put fastballs yeah, right. into the zone. Yeah. But it brings, you know, the walks bring up, you know, bring down the maybe IPS. A mentality and... to that. You know, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'll be cur- I'm, I'm open to keep, you know, there's a difference between coming to a team and then having a full season with the team. I'd be very curious to know it's probably just on such an organizational basis what teams are like hey you're here let's make some changes or hey you're here do what you got to do and then we'll talk to you in the off season right. um so i don't know it, it it's it's interesting um matt i don't know if i think i i, I agree that i would have Tino over luzardo but i think in my rankings if and whenever they come out um they uh i would yeah, probably have whenever a when are they're supposed
2: to come out fast wasn't it like uh, now they're, they're <laughs> supposed to come, no, they're
1: supposed to come out at the end of march and then like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. Then. I have a kid. And then also like, I just got, I was like you, I just like, I, I, I remember sitting down on my computer after learning of the lockout stuff and looking at a picture and just being like,
2: yeah, this is why I forced myself to, you know, uh, it but, oh, if, by the way, everybody listening, if you're not following in the morning, I, I'm streaming every single morning now, not mm. even weekdays. Um, as long as the lockout is going on, once the deal has been struck, that changes, it turns into just Monday through Friday. But I'm writing in, an article in one hour, like Iron Chef style, <laughs> where I don't know who the pitcher is, and I have a timer going. It gets revealed as, as someone just shouts the man's name really loudly, and then I spend an hour, and I live stream the whole process of what I'm thinking and how I do it. I wrote about Frankie Montes in an hour, just like literally I need every single second of that hour to do it. Um, but uh, it's helped me get through this, honestly, fast. It's like helped me... Uh, stay focused and it's really fun. Just come on by. It's at twitchtv pitchlist, everybody. I hope to yep. see you there tomorrow morning.
1: Yeah uh yes, you should come check it out. It's fantastic. Uh yeah, it's to free. Put the bow and and it's free. It's free real estate. <laughs> To put the bow on Luzardo, you know, you got to trust your ring You got to let go of regret. He's a little bit all mixed up, and Steven Matz might be as well. Um, He's going to pick 77. A lot of people seem to be giving Steven Matz a little bit of helium. They love what they saw from uh, when he moved to Toronto last year, which kind of, you know, makes sense. He ended the year with a 3.82 ERA. He moves to uh, St. Louis now. What are you thinking about Steven Matz? I think
2: Steven Matz is fine i mean this is this is the toby tier he was toby. he was the flenderson last year mm. right i mean it's not i apologize it is not the the Toby tier. there is a slight tinge of upside of like maybe matt's inside of st louis is more than a toby hence why he's out of the 80s and in the 70s here i uh, but yeah i mean that that's what you're hoping for you kind of hope for like Quan kim with the mm. with the cardinals from Steven Matz, uh, it is kind of interesting that he's always been able to have this twenty to twenty five percent strikeout rate along the way without a pitch that misses bats. Like it's a fourteen uh, percent swing strike rate on his changeup last year, that was that was led his entire repertoire. And it doesn't make sense to me that much. Curveball gets a ton of called strikes though, thirty five percent CSW last year. Wonderful stuff. There. It's just it. Nothing is exceptional. With Steven Matz, but he can pitch. He can just keep getting ground balls. Like he can no, I mean like volume is what I meant by that. No, I, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, like, but he knows how to pitch, you know, he can pitch. No. Like he can he can actually go on the hill and give you uh, you know, five, six innings. Like his pitches per game last year were eighty eight, which mm-hmm. is solid. You know, maybe the Carl's even pushed that over ninety. Um it's that's good enough to be like, okay, yeah, he can get five, six innings consistently for the Cardinals and could be good ratios here. I mean, a 382 ERA last year. If you're saying that he gets better because of the Cardinals, that could fall down the same time you could sit, look at the 134 whip that he had last year or the 130 plus. And that's not great. It's not great at all. High hip or mm-hmm. nine as well. Um, I hope that all comes down, but we just don't know how significant the impact is. And there's a chance that Steven Matz gets worse as a pitcher as he continues to age. Yeah. It feels like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors for what happened last year. So it's not a slam dunk as as I've certainly heard a couple of times this offseason. But who knows? You don't know anything about this tier. I'd like to yeah. give it a shot and see how the first week goes. To quote my my mentor and lover, Nick
1: Pollock, don't draft Tobys." You don't. Uh, this is a so slightly better do one.
2: Nah, slightly. Don't draft Tobys.
1: He was the Flunderson last year, though. I feel like where does he help? Like even if he helps an ERA, he hurts you with whip. He's not going well, be innings. That's
2: the thing, though. We don't know if he hurts him whip. It was a 9.5 hit per nine last year with a 3.21 BABIP. If he goes to St. Louis instead of the the Jays, right? Except Toronto and Dunedin and Buffalo, that's a giant gap there. So maybe he does make it up. That's the whole idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're talking about like Alex Cobb going to San Francisco and be like, oh yeah, of course that helps him. Like it's the same mm-hmm. principle here with Stephen Matz. E- maybe I would rather uh, count on the
1: the stadium's always there, the defense changes day to day. Yeah, but this is the, the this
0: is the defense.
1: Yeah, but uh, I don't know. And Unless how it's Adam much does it Wainwright. It changes
2: day to day. How how much does it change? Well, I'm saying batted balls can change day to day. There's
0: nothing, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: yeah, there's but nothing that be, can change. They're gonna go more in his favor, they should at least. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's been, he's been. I'm not drafted yeah. him, so yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, I guess it is the best defense I'll have ever had behind him because he's going from the Mets. Toronto wasn't terrible for him last year, but we'll see. Uh, next up, we have at number 78, another guy that is gaining some recognition over in Minnesota. Um, debuted last year, young, 26, 92 and a third innings pitched with a 4.19 ERA and not great fit, at 4.56. But he did get you a good amount of Ks with that 25% K rate, and that's Bailey Ober. Uh, would love for him to be in Baltimore. That would be just a dream come <laughs> true to Yeah, I got Bailey Ober. He's on the
2: mound there, uh, throwing at four seam. Um, tell us what you think about Bailey Ober. You know, there was this, uh, Toyota commercial that would play in Cape Cod yeah. all the time. It was Hyannis Toyota, but he okay. would always say, Hyannis Toyota. And we were always hey. like, what is this? What is this <laughs> what accent? And until one day we realized it was the Baltimore accent. And oh, really if it was. Us. If it was He's Baltimore, tweeted. then he put an R at the end. Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: ain't just Toyota.
2: <laughs> uh, but Billy Oberizzi, as I like to call him, <laughs> has a high lock of 72% on his four seamer and just an 8% low lock on it, which is insane, right? Like, this is what he does. He does exactly what Jago de wants to do, but he does it with his own four seamer. And yes, I, it's amazing how easy that pun is. I was like, oh, he's like J. Cota Rizzi, Bailey Ober. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Um, he has a slider. These are the things that bring me joy in life. <laughs> yeah, guys. Nick went catatonic for two days because <laughs> you have the perfect Bailey Ober Yeah, you know, Some some people have these wonderful nights with friends and go off and sing karaoke yeah. and have a lovely time. And I'm like, no, I got Bailey Ober Rizzi. <laughs> um, CSW of only 29% on the slider last year, 64% strike rate, 27% hard contact rate, nothing exceptional. But there were days that he had that slider working down and away from righties. And if you compare that effectively with that high heater, that can be essentially the Blake Snell blueprint um, that can work it really well. The changeup is nothing really to report about. Or He did throw it against righties, which is kind of interesting. You know, maybe he does mix it in better. And then he has a curveball that he tries to get called strikes with. He does 30% called strike rate, 41% CSW last year, 71% strike rate, used 11% of the time. Maybe that is more of an answer, but honestly, you'll probably throw that 10% of the time. It should be fine, probably not as good as that. Ober will throw those high heaters probably 60% of the time. The question is if that slider can take another step forward or not. If it can, there's something actually to really like here, and I would argue in some ways it could be much better than Joe Ryan if it does. But we don't know if that will, and uh, it might be kind of tough dealing with like four innings and change constantly from Bailey over Hmm. I'm
1: sorry, I was just I, I couldn't stop cracking up thinking about people listening to this on two time speed and us doing a Baltimore accent. What that was, <laughs> sounds, it sounds awful as is, but like it,
2: doing it at two time speed, I just it I'm is trying a, to drink coffee new... here and I can't even like take a sip, trusting that I won't like spit it out now. Fast come on, stop okay, making me laugh. Sorry,
1: loud. uh, next up we have at number 79, uh, Nick Martinez. He he comes over from, I believe he was in, um, was he in? He was in Japan, I think he was for the KBO, right? yeah yes, yes. Uh, he yes. agrees to a four-year 20 million uh contract with the padres um the last time that we saw him in, in the bigs was in 2017 in texas kind of back-to-back five uh, plus eras small smaller sample in 2016 um you seem to be a little excited
2: about nick martinez no, he was about. in he was in japan for the
1: hawks in japan yeah yeah the SoftBank hawks right uh that is correct Yes, I went to a a baseball bar in Japan that happened to be a SoftBank's Haw- SoftBank Hawks like shrine bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was tough to say. And it was one of the like this dude was so excited that I was there. It was just he and his wife who ran it. He had he played every SoftBank Hawks game. He had merchandise everywhere. He brought out, um, oh my goodness, what was his name? the 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 Japanese player who played for the Blue Jays for a while. Um, um, uh Munonora kawasaki yeah uh, he's the
0: best, uh, yes he
1: brought out his jersey he let me wear it he was so excited that i knew who munonori kawasaki was i knew yeah. him because he
2: used to walk off the orioles
1: all the time anyway i digress no, because he cartoonist. was one of the most
2: entertaining players we had oh, you know? he was so great he was great um, monkeys
1: don't cramp <laughs> yeah so was that what he said like he he was just brilliant uh, um i love him, so bro. What are you, You're thinking, Nick Martinez, you're believing in kind of the
2: resurgence. Uh, I'm not believing. You, I think it's an intriguing pick to make at the end of your draft. Um, mm-hmm. What happened, I mean, the numbers are 25% strikeout rate and a sub-7% walk rate in a 162 ERA in Japan across about 150 innings. Awesome. Um, he upticked his fastball to nearly 94. So essentially that's about 93 to 94, which isn't that impressive, but it was 91 we were, originally saw Nick Martinez. And maybe there's something to it. Apparently, his changeup is way better as well. I don't know is what I'm getting at. But, you know, I remember us being hyped about Josh Lindblom. It didn't quite pan out as we expected. Ooh. But then again, Miles Michaelis did really well. There was a touch of moments with Merrill Kelly doing this. Chris mm. Flexy just had a great season with the Mariners. This could be something. And as I'm saying a lot here, it's the first week of the season. I want to see what they look like. I want to yeah. get an assessment of them. And then be quick to move on.
1: Put it this way, too. If you saw a guy in the minors who had a guy in AAA with 140 innings and a 1.6 ERA, you'd be interested. You'd be like, okay, there's something happening that's right here. And that's essentially what Nick Martinez is able to do because it's kind of, you know, uh, Japan is kind of often compared to AAA. It's pretty pretty similar in level there, at least more so than the KBO is. Um, We're going to wrap up here at number 80 with. I guess he doesn't have the most upside. He is probably the most upside of the past four or five guys that we talked yeah. about. Um, Cause you know, this is theoretically a guy where if he's firing on all cylinders, he's returning SP one, SP two value. He hasn't for a while, but he has shown that he can do it in the past. If you know, he's battled with injuries, obviously battled with leukemia and and one, which is awesome. And that's Carlos Carrasco. Uh, how are you feeling about Carlos Carrasco? And why are you a little more hesitant to take him than you are Ober or Nick Martinez?
2: I think it'll be, Clearer early on with, um, with Nick Martinez and same with Ober. The thing is about Carrasco is that traditionally, as we move away from these former aces, uh, Carrasco is going to be uh, 35 this year. Mm. We attribute that age with one major statistic, and that's declining velocity, right? When you see guys come back from an injury, as Carrasco did last year. We think, okay, he's not the same because, you know, Corey Kluber's throwing softer and his sinker and Grinke's throwing softer and so on and so forth. All these guys are not throwing what they used to. Carrasco's velocity was 93.4. And in 2018, it was 93.7. That is not the problem um, with Carlos Carrasco, if you can believe it. The problem was that his changeup fell from a 71% strike rate in 2019 to a 59% last year. Uh, it's just not doing the things they used to do and while his slider 24% swing strike rate 2019, 18% in 2022, sorry, 2021. So the main idea here is if Carrasco could get the feel back for his changeup at slide, because he's had interrupted seasons here. There may be something good. Uh, if he still has his velocity, you know, it just needs to get the feel back of those two former pitches. Maybe Carrasco can look like his former self in a major way. And Not to mention, this is a full off-season of health as far as we know right now for Carlos Carrasco, which he hasn't had for a long time. That's pretty dang exciting, if you ask me. And I hope, I hope that Carlos Carrasco can get there. But the thing is, I won't necessarily know in that first start. Maybe it's mm. OK with the change of slider. I, I don't know how exactly to feel quite yet. I might be able to make a decision. I, I, I don't know. There's going to be more haze surrounding it, which made me push him back a little bit farther. Yeah, I think it seems like the stuff, uh, I think this is another, Eno quote that I heard the stuff is going
1: down, but the command is still there. I think he was like one of the guys that he's targeting a little bit later that he wrote an article about in the athletic. And I think that's a really interesting point where it's like some of the stuff in his pitches is regressing where it's becoming average. And some of the stuff is regressing where even though it's regressing, it's still above average. So if the command is there, then you could theoretically see a good season out of him. He could be a sneaky late rounder. I think a lot
2: of, you know, it hasn't been great. Right, right. It, it really has not been I, I great. I will recently. suggest that, you know, it's not always a, a case where if you are declining your stuff, it's a forever slope, right? Mm. Um, and that's what I mean by feel. Like if you're not, if you're not in a groove with a pitch, you know, that means your stuff is going to be worse. There is always a chance for a guy, to be like, oh no, no, I found my slider again. I got it. You know, it's back a bit. Uh, I, I think there is a a possibility that could happen with Carrasco. Mm. I agree with you. I agree with you, wow, look Nick. At us. This is crazy. Oh, 45 minutes. This
1: this feels good.
2: Yeah. I got to say. You know, we didn't even have like an inserted ad break either. You know, sponsored no. by Pitcherless today. We, we do not give you guys ads. Please help us for that.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, let us know. Do you like this? Like, you can reach out to us, too. Like, I, this is my preference because I like knowing that people can put it on one and a half speed and, like, walk their dog and have information on 10 pitchers. We're going to make 50 this now 55 minutes, aren't we? <laughs> no, I'm done. Um, all right. Actually, there you go. All right, that's it. That's going to do it yeah. for episode number 311 of On the Corner, <laughs> the official com podcast. I'm your host, Alex. Fest,
2: and I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week you <laughs>